three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, my man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, before we start, Tim's already busting your balls. About time Lally, Lally got back to work, Mo has to carry the show. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Tim's my, I'm Tim's biggest fan now. I don't know if he's my biggest fan. He's, he's a big fan of yours. I know that for sure. Um, what's going on? I'm going to let you start with the shout-outs today so I can try to one-up you. Um, unlikely I one-up you, but go for it. Always with the competition with you. Always with the competition. Um, we got it. Uh, shout outs. Well, you know, I'm big on the first responders. Yes. And there's a lot going on down in the panhandle and they're working hard and doing a great job. And, uh, so shout out to them running into the storm opposed to running away from it. And then, uh, also, uh, I didn't mention this last week, but one of my very good friends, her name is Christine. She goes by little Chrissy and my group of friends. Uh, <laughs> she got engaged, and so I just want to <laughs> me. Wish, <laughs> wish her all the happiness in the world. She deserves it, and uh, I think that's all I got right now, man. Jeez, I mean, you three up me this week. <laughs> First responders running into a storm, saving well, lives, babies, kittens. Hey, if I'm coming back to work, I'm coming back strong. Man, I only have one. It's to my mom. She had a little surgery yesterday. She's sitting at home. She's, yes. I think, watching actually today. So shout out to my mom. Well, Keep resting. She wanted to go watch. She wanted to go let my dog out today. She's like, do you need anything? Can I go let the dog? I'm like, just stay at home. You don't you need to love do anything. Moms. We're fine. <laughs> you know, you I'm just okay. got to love moms. She texted me this morning. Do you need anything with a dog? And I'm like, you sit at home and yes. recover. Aww. So I shout mean, out to her. I, I have mean, an awe shout out. You had a like first responder. <laughs> hey, really good shout out. First responders are awesome. They are. But moms <laughs> rule the world. Without uh, moms, none, none of us would be here. So That's true. Rock on, mom. Um, you got more fans. You have, did you pay people to start talking about <laughs> yeah, you today? You have Jimmy much. saying, what's going on? Lally, exclamation point. <laughs> A couple of people just texted me that Moe's live on uh, Wheelhouse. Why don't you guys comment too and yeah, give me a on. shout out? More the merrier jerks um well let's get to today's uh show because we have two amazing guests and i think the the part where they both chat with one another the uh round table is going to be awesome because it's two cool topics yep um two very influential people in chicago very. and we have a little bit of uh whiskey tasting we're gonna taste some oh, proper 12 a little really? bit later hmm. um, you might have to talk me into that i just got sober from ireland now you're just gonna fire me right yeah, back up. you're still uh, in your two-week hangover yeah, period yeah, I am. Um, he was in Ireland when I was in Las Vegas, so all of Wheelhouse was drunk. Yeah. Not right. yeah. <laughs> Both of us still hung over. Um, but our first guest is John Barry of Star Events. Um, John has put on and run some of the biggest events in Chicago, some of the largest festivals. You've heard of probably all of them. Some of the big ones are Taste of Randolph, Mayfest, Riot Fest, Clark After Dark. I can keep going on and on. Retro on Roscoe. It's yeah, my Retro on Roscoe. They got a couple 5Ks coming up, but I'm going to let John tell you guys what Star Events is and does because I don't want to butcher it. So, John, thanks for being on. <laughs> no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, what is Star Events? I, 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 we originally were designed to raise money and awareness for nonprofit groups by producing special events. Still, that's really our, our, our main goal. We, we really just work you know, for these charitable organizations producing events, but I would really say we're event coordinators disguised as fundraisers um, or, or fundraisers disguised as event coordinators, sorry. Um, and, you know, for 
I've done this a quarter of a century now. We've raised a little over 15 million for local charities wow. here in wow. Chicago. And, uh, you know, it, the economic impact and the ability for us to showcase artisans and, you know, musicians and chefs and restaurants and all kinds of stuff really makes this a, a super enjoyable uh, a career for, for me. I've, uh, I have a lot of passion still after 25 years and thrilled that we get to do this here in Chicago. What a great city for us to be in and, and I've loved the 25 years of producing these neighborhood fests. They're different than the huge you know, riot, you know, the riot fest we do is 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 the biggest one for sure that we do. But it's not most of our events are neighborhood oriented street festivals, which is way different than a park event like Lollapalooza or Pitchfork or Riot Fest or what have you. Most of them are neighborhoods, which gives everyone an opportunity to come to these neighborhoods and really enjoy, you know, putting putting their feet on the ground and, and walking up and down Roscoe Street or Andersonville up and Clark Street, et cetera, et cetera. So it's an awesome, awesome career. Um, I love it. How did you get into that? Because that's a fascinating field to get into. It's not something, it's not like, hey, I went to law school. He's a lawyer like everybody else in Chicago. How did you get into that? Well, if you're a lawyer, I'm sure your parents are much more proud of you than mine. <laughs> no, 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 the, no, uh, no. My uh, dad, my, telling my dad I didn't want to be a doctor, Middle Eastern doctor dad. I remember the day I told him I didn't want to be a doctor. It's like, well, then what else are you going to do? Like there was not another damn job. So I was probably a bigger letdown. Uh, right, I, just, we, could, we could debate that for sure. And, uh, and, and I think my parents would have loved doctor or lawyer but uh yeah I, I actually there was no career path back then now there's a million paths you can take you can go to many universities and study event planning and and it's definitely different than when i started it was kind of the wild west there was another you know there was maybe one or two of us doing this at the time there was only 20 or 30 events in chicago at the time and it was uh definitely how did i get into it i was a musician actually i, I finished college and joined a rock band and thought god i can't do this forever i toured for four or five years with a band called uncle john's band ended up playing with kathy richardson and thought, God, I just don't want to be in uh, motels and hotels and traveling the U.S. anymore. So what else can I do that kind of keeps me in this niche, but yet, um, you know, doesn't make me travel and have no family and, you know, whatever. That was a, a, a grind after many years of doing it. But uh, this is what I stumbled into. And again, it was uh, n no class I took. It was just luck, really. I stumbled into it and started talent buying for a company. And within a, a, about 18 months, started Star Events. And this is back in the, the mid-90s. It's crazy because in the mid '90s, trying to get the word out about an event has changed. It's changed dramatically. I mean, it must have been much, much more difficult then. Whereas later on in the show, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, social media with the social media guru we have here. But it must have been a challenge at first trying to get these events put on. You know, here's the funny thing. I, I agree and disagree, but and let me explain. Back then, with 20 or 30 events, if I, you know, back then it was the reader. You, you'd put an ad in the reader, a full page ad, and most of you probably don't even remember the reader for the most part, at least the John, way it John was then. Um, yeah, John. Um, what are you trying to allude to? But because of the fact that there was no competition, I would run these, you know, full page or, you know, a spread in, in the reader, and that was all it took. And, and, the lack of competition made it so that they were hugely successful right out of the shoot for me. Um, and I thought, holy cow, this is my forte. I found my calling. I'm going to definitely, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a wizard, a guru, a wonder at doing <laughs> events. I'm the best. This is for sure what I should be doing. Had nothing to do with that. I was definitely, uh, you know, a, 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 not that skilled. Uh, it doesn't take, it's not rocket science for sure. Um, but because there was no competition. There was 30 permits in Chicago for festivals. Now there's over 500. Wow. So the competition now is so overwhelming that, yeah, social media is a great way to advertise. But back then, because there was no competition, we'd have a huge following that would come out to these events because there was nothing to do. Now everybody and their brother and mostly the charitable organization, that side of it, 
found, wow, look at the Chamber of Commerce that I'm working for, or the neighborhood group, or whatever charity. Look at how much money they raised at their two-day event. We should do it. And then here we are 20-odd years later, 500 and some odd street fests mm. take place. And it's uh, it's too saturated at this point. It's overwhelming at this point. Chicago is one of the best festival cities in the world, no doubt. But uh, if you're an event coordinator, it's really quite difficult to drive traffic, find sponsors, you know, even artisans, merchants, and food vendors and, and attractions to make your event unique. It's difficult. Uh, you know, Lala, obviously, and, and, and mine are not these for-profit monsters. These actually are great for the community. But even with that angle, hard to find the right talent, hard to find the right experiences when you're competing against Lala, you know, Pitchfork riot spring awakening yada yada there's a million of these that are right. like so amazing um and, and we you know have a hard time competing to a certain degree with 500 so the bands we might book at a local or regional level are playing you know 30 40 50 60 times in a season there's no real great reason to mm. go see them at one event where it used to be different it used to be a, a huge thing interesting that's fascinating i guess you're i mean you are 100 percent correct i never thought of it that way that there's so many of them and there are you know one of the best emails we send out or the most read emails we send out at a real estate company is we have our agents send out two emails. One's a marketing email a month. The other one's a Chicagoland events email. The highest open rate we have is for the events email because everybody wants to know what's going on. But our marketing gal told us, she's like, there's so many to pick from. So she has a hard time positioning each month which ones should go on this list. And then we just leave it up to her to pick and then they have links. But it's funny you say that because this year, she was saying, it's it, there's so many of them to pick from, and then she just picks as many as fits the page, and we send out an email. But it is the most popular email or marketing piece that we actually send out. Yeah, it's funny because some realtors that I run into, uh, I'll, I'll give them a hard time about this email because they're part of the subscription that it goes out to their clients, and sometimes the event that's in, like I was at Retron Roscoe just recently in August, and a realtor that's part of this email that you're talking about uh, didn't get this listed and it looks as if it's coming from his office so I gave him a hard time saying why wouldn't you put Retron Roscoe in <laughs> right. your email but you're right there is uh, the saturation is crazy and I'll be honest with you one more point on the, the, the level of, of competition is the, the disposable income that people spend on a special event before Lala came to town you know they might spend two three four hundred dollars in the summer now it's all being spent at Lala because that's what it takes to go to Lala for three right. or four days so they don't have the ability financially and otherwise even though we're in great demographic areas that have a lot of disposable income, still people dictate how much they're going to spend in a summer and they might go spend it at one or two weekends, not coming out every single weekend to a neighborhood fest. So it's 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 difficult in many, many different ways. But yeah, I, I love the email. Thank you for sending that out to support us. And we oftentimes get included in there. So it's cool. Well, we're going to, at our office, at Main Street, we're going to talk to Laura and Laura watches on all the time. Laura, star events, put all of his in there. So he doesn't give me a hard time next time he sees me in case I miss, in case we miss one Yeah, Laura, I'm coming after you. So. Yeah, or coming after me. If you go after her, she's coming after me. So um, yeah, it's, it's to me fascinating um, how much people love being outdoors in Chicago, going to Street Fest. And again, we have, you know, four, five, six months where weather's good and people, Chicago's a very outdoorsy city when the weather's good. So people are out and about, but you're right. There's so many options to pick from. How does the charity element of what you guys do get linked back into running one of these events? Because, like you said, $15 million is a lot of money to raise. It, it, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And I, I, the economic impact that these create, there's, there's a huge distinction that I think is important for the listeners to understand is that when you go to Alala, which you can't beat, and all the other major events in Chicago that didn't exist when I started, 
Uh, I wish they didn't again just because I could <laughs> I could succeed way easier than I do now. But those events, you're giving money to go to those events to help a for-profit entity somewhere in the U.S. Uh, when you approach one of these street fests or attend a street fest, you're actually helping typically the community. And the fun thing is that there's a gal a million years ago that set this up for the Mayor's Office of Special Events, which is now D-Case in the city of Chicago. And in order to close a street, get a temporary liquor license and, and all the other pieces that it requires to make these happen with the fire department, the police department, the aldermen, et cetera, you have to have a charitable tie-in. Uh, to make it go smoothly and to make it actually work with the city. They prefer it that way. That's how it's run. So for us, we get approached by local charities to raise them money, and this happens to be our vehicle versus a you know, a, a gala or a silent auction or some sort of boring black tie dinner. Uh, we're going to actually put on a street fest that actually helps win in so many ways. Not only does it drive traffic to their community typically, but all the artisans, merchants, and food orders, like I mentioned, even the the, the talent on stage or the restaurateurs or, or the folks, the businesses up and down the street get this visibility that it is really hard to beat and you know these charities then typically are using the revenue that we raise for them to create you know beautification projects or maybe additional staffing or actually services that benefit the community itself so when you go to a street fest versus a major national event like Lala you're making a huge difference to the community and I don't think many people get that it's a donation only so there's no hard tickets right. ever everyone's well aware of that and most people I'd say you know back in the day when that wasn't advertised are are gate receipts were way higher than they are nowadays because a lot of people just take advantage of the fact that it's potentially free to get in, only a donation. But I would tell you that if you have the ability to make it, it's well worth it. Most of these events are getting three, four, five stages, you know, tons of food vendors and attractions and engaging experiences. You get to be with your community. You get to spend time with your friends face-to-face, all that stuff. I think it's worth the 5 or $10 people ask, but most people don't know where it goes. They think it's a for-profit entity, and Star Events is for-profit, but we only work for these nonprofits, and they definitely control all aspects of the event because the permit is under their name so that if you want it to continue you have to you know make sure that the charitable organization is running things well and that's why they hire us so for those of you listening next time you go to a street fest you better pay at the door because it goes to charity don't walk in i actually i always feel bad because i've known it goes to charity you're going in there and you guys have put on an incredible event and it's a lot of effort to get that put together and you do have great you know artists you have great vendors pay the money to go in, but I see people all the time just kind of going in. And it's fascinating to me that it used to be a higher percentage of people paying than in today's, but that's a totally different topic. <laughs> I, one of my uh, realtors, one of my agents, she wanted to have a booth for her real estate business at a new fest this year that was very close to her home. It was called County Fair Chicago, I believe. But they had done it in a parking lot, so they were actually taking money every time it went in. Yep. One thing I noticed, it was their first year, I noticed... It was pretty empty, and I think they had difficulty in planning how much space to use, difficulty in planning, you know, how many vendors to have. I imagine the first time you guys do an event, you guys, by now you have tons of metrics and you guys have done it over and over again. That first time in a neighborhood, that's got to be a really tough planning endeavor because you just don't know how many people are going to come. How do you approach the first time going into a new market? Yeah, there, there's no doubt. That is super difficult. And most often, you know, I tell any client that approaches us, it's going to take three to five years to build up some recognition. And in this marketplace, how saturated it is, even harder for you to do that. You know, how do you drive traffic for us? Obviously, trying to find a destination already. So Clark Street at Foster in Andersonville or Roscoe Village, it's already a destination. Taste of Lincoln Avenue, Well Street Art Fair. You can taste, you know, all of them, taste of Randolph, whatever. They're all 
on a destination, kind of. So that helps for sure. If you're in a parking lot, even more difficult to drive them there because right. you're driving them to the destination that's not really on their path anyway. Um, you know, and so relying on the the talent to be a big draw is important. So trying to find bands that actually have a draw and a following, it's also, you know, it's difficult. Uh, that's a difficult thing because there's so many people trying to get those handful of bands that do have that draw. Um, you know, but you're, you're obviously trying to create something that will attract these people. And again, very difficult to do if it's, you know, a festival is music and food and beer. And, you know, there's only so many components. How do you reconfigure that so that it's so appealing that everyone comes? But it's definitely, I, I feel for the first, second, third year events because it's so difficult to drive that traffic. Uh, in this world and how many artisans, how many merchants, how many sponsors, how many whatever, we can't pre-sell tickets. So they could have in the parking lot, I guess. But even then on a first-year event, unless you have really great talent that's driving the, the, the sales, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how great your social media or how great your posters, your flyers, your advertising, your graphics, whatever. All that helps for sure. But if you don't have some reason for people to go, like really great food, Randolph wins because of food. So. We have 20 of the top chefs in Chicago with great restaurateurs, a waiting list to get in. And, and people come for the food for sure. Um, and they come for the talent. And we use, you know, some of the best talent buyers in the world to book talent there. Um, and that's what draws the people. If you don't have the ability financially to book really great talent and Randolph's national talent, um, and you're trying to do that locally, again, you're up against a million people doing the, trying to get the same you know, 20 bands or 10 bands that are out there that draw. So, yeah, it's not an easy task these days, and the weather is a factor that crushes you. You'll, you'll lose, and if you're a charitable organization that can't afford to lose – You'll probably lose because rain and wind and heat and, you know, Randolph was 110 heat index. The week before at Andersonville was 50 degrees and like a low-hanging cloud of mist over us the whole weekend. One week apart. So welcome to Chicago. But it affected attendance for sure, which affects the bottom line. And we mitigate our wins and losses over a season. So it makes it easier for star events. Whereas a one-off that's doing one event, a church or a neighborhood group by themselves, best of luck if they run into rain. They could they, potentially go under. They did. So it was one day of rain, one day without rain. And I'll touch Ouch. on Randolph. Um, I've watched that thing grow. It's impressive. Every year it gets bigger and better. And it was six or seven years ago, I think. I don't know when it started, but six or seven years ago was maybe the first time I went. And it was an impressive fest. But you go to it this past year. Like, boy, it's grown so much. Oh, that you. area's grown. You guys yeah. have done an incredible job taking that event from six, seven years ago when I first went to what it was this year it's unbelievable it's it's it, it was rated the number one street fest in chicago and i think that uh, there's a reason it's not only the best food and best talent but uh for a street fest you can't get that level of talent or that the, that food would compete against any event in the country as far as the best food you could possibly eat and most of these restaurants to get a reservation at some of them is very difficult so here you can go and eat all of them in one day without having a reservation at all and i think those two factors and the destination of randolph street right. the west loop is the hottest market in the city it's 100%. a you would know that being in, in real estate. So, yeah, it's one that, that is, is, works for that reason. But, yeah, we're very proud of the growth that we've seen and all the other things. You know what else was very interesting about the fest? Even though it was dead. I don't want to say it was dead. It was, it was quiet for, for a fest. I went for a couple hours each day. The ability to have, as a vendor, instant, immediate face-to-face interaction with a consumer, I think was so valuable. I would tell anybody who's listening, having a booth at one of these events, you it's direct to consumer. I mean, you're talking to, to them, you're building a relationship. And I, I always knew there was some value, value in that. I didn't know how valuable it was until we got there. And even though there weren't a lot of people there, 
everybody we spoke to, we made some connection with. And we did a good job of capturing leads, but I grew a big appreciation for having a vendor booth at one of these events. Because again, it's people in that neighborhood who you're probably gonna see run into or are gonna see your restaurant, your business, your marketing, and just getting that face-to-face time with them is so valuable. You know, when you look at all the vehicles that anyone could advertise in TV, radio, print, social media, those are all fantastic, social media being the number one in my opinion, except face-to-face. If you're a salesman, face-to-face is always the best. And what's strange about this is our attendance for Neighborhood Fest, this is something I wish all business owners knew, um, but because it offers this face-to-face opportunity, most of the traffic is from a one to three mile radius. 80% roughly comes from your neighborhood typically. So if you want to spend your money on TV, radio, or print, you're just throwing it in the garbage in my opinion because running out in the Tribune, well, who's gonna see it? It goes all over the city or all over wherever, but be at a festival and you can have this amazing opportunity to reach your customers that live in your neighborhood for a very low price uh, and and that face-to-face can give you a leg up over all your competitors for a very inexpensive price, less than a campaign in, in radio and television and print for sure. Um, and, and even social media, which is somewhat inexpensive pending what you're doing, your campaign. Uh, but the face-to-face is something you can't get anywhere else. Um, and I think right. it's an amazing vehicle for people that they don't really look at it. We end up selling a lot of merchant spaces, but there's a million locals that don't participate because they think it's not their model or it's not going to help them, but it's the wrong. And I think it's one of the most amazing vehicles there is. I agree hundred percent. I was sold on it, even though the event itself wasn't the type of event I think, um, was a hit. I'm sold on the fact that I tell I told all our realtors you guys should really look into doing this um, and I've told a couple other people with other businesses really look at street fests in your area because that one-on-one face-to-face connection you get at a street fest you, you can't get that anywhere else right. without being a door-to-door sales guy which nobody talks to anymore in totally this <laughs> in this world so John's uh, telling me we got to do our mortgage minute we have our first you know, uh, commercial. Perfect. And we got our first uh, little uh, advertising spot. So, John, take it away. Hi, I'm Matt Rosen of Neighborhood Loans here to share with you today's Mortgage Minute. Know the difference between a simple pre qualification and a real pre approval. The initial pre qualification usually consists of a short conversation where the lender gets basic information and then may or may not even run your credit. A full pre-approval always consists of running your credit and then verifying your information by collecting the income and asset documentation upfront. When speaking to a mortgage professional, always make sure that these steps have been taken in order to guarantee a full pre-approval. For more information or to get the process started, please feel free to contact me using the information on the screen. I'm Matt Rosen and that's today's Mortgage Minute. Thank you to Matt Rosen from Neighborhood Loans. I've said this the last couple of weeks. Matt's the man. He's a good friend, um, the best mortgage guy I've ever worked with. He's never failed to close a deal. He picks up his phone at any hour of the night. I probably shouldn't say that because Matt's going to get blown up at midnight or one o'clock. But he's the best. Thank you so much for being a supporter of uh, Wheelhouse, Matt. If you guys have any mortgage questions, mortgage needs, give Matt Rosen at the Matt Rosen team a buzz. Now, um, my uh, some of my friends are going to tease me because I'm a self-admitting Conor McGregor fan, no. and uh, John <laughs> is a uh, from Irish descent, at least partially, and he was just in Ireland, and he asked me to bring. He saw my social media post about Proper Twelve, and he asked me to bring some Proper Twelve in studio so we can taste it. So my T Rex arms, oh, can you see it? it? You got it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> looks good. So it's uh, really popular whiskey that is Conor McGregor's brand, and I sold out almost everywhere. 
I went to a Benny's and they said it's flying off the uh, shelves like hotcakes. And uh, I brought it in so John could try it. And so we'll all try it. It's $23 a bottle. So I tried it. And I'm a tequila guy. I used to drive a race car that said tequila Patron on the side. So I drink a lot of tequila. I'm not a big whiskey guy. So I might not be the best judge of this. Maybe one of you is more uh, (laughs) of a whiskey, whiskey connoisseur than I am. But it's 23 bucks. Compare it to a Jameson. I think it's definitely better than Jameson or anything that's about a $20 bottle of whiskey. So I will do some pours. John, are you going to come get one? Uh, pour it out, and <laughs> I will be more than happy to come over and take a sip. John, you're going to get a big pour. While we continue. Yeah, I, I don't need even a third of that. Trust me, that's, that is a big oh pour. <laughs> this one's for you, John. So, I, got an, I have an event and showings I have to go to after this. So. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, am, I know. I do know if I... Decide to get back into the nightclub business ever. And I didn't know you were in the nightclub business. Were you a go-go dancer? <laughs> uh, I used to manage Excalibur. And really? I was over on Rush at Jilly's for a long time. Oh, yeah. You should go you, there now. I it's called Tau and see if, see if they'll take you back. Oh. There well, I know watching you pour, I know that I wouldn't hire you as a bartender, <laughs> my friend. You'd go under. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So sh- should we Cheers. be drinking to McGregor's Lost? <laughs> yeah, his fifty-seven yeah. million dollar paycheck million. Right. Um, that Cheers. he apparently got for this. I'm going to cheer to both of uh... John. I got these little arms. You got to reach. Cheers. 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 Yeah, he made fifty something million dollars. So not a bad afternoon, right? No, not yeah. at all. I'll get punched in the face for ten. What? What was it? Three and a half rounds, right? So Four 15, rounds, 18 minutes. Yeah. Well, he, when his, his loss to um, Floyd, he made $100 million. So he's, he, if he fights ever again, it's only because he loves doing it. He can retire. And oh, this absolutely. thing's selling like crazy. So he's, he's set for life. It's not bad. No, it's not. No, it's all right. And I, we, we chilled it for all of 20 minutes. <laughs> it was in my car oh, nice. before that. But it's, it's nice. nice. It's nice. For 23 bucks, it's a good bottle of whiskey. I'm, yeah, I would go for it. Uh, just That's the fact good. that Connor's company creates it makes it worth the $23, yeah. in my opinion. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's probably not the best, although I'm not the best judge of that, but it tastes good today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it tastes good right now. That's, we have, that's we, a very good we, way of we, uh, it. It's our only option right now. Before we get to our next guest, I had um, have to ask you about this, and uh, we'll kind of segue um, to our second guest. You do a lot of stuff outside of event planning where you have a short course on how to do a special event it's so you're instructing you do some public speaking touch on that a little bit and then uh let us know if there's anywhere we can find this short course i'm I'm fascinated we throw real estate related events all the time and i always feel like realtors do a pretty poor job of hosting events so Hmm. i I feel like i I should be a student of that because it's important in our realm of work as well right you know i i love speaking and 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 sharing this this mission that I'm on. And I think it's important to create a positive economic impact. And I'd love this to be all over the U.S. because it's done such a great world of difference here in Chicago that I can see directly see every, you know, there's parks that are built because of the revenue we raise, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, but I love to speak and, and, and love to ramble and love to, to love to uh, teach as much as possible. Actually, I think that'll be my next career is, is being a teacher. I would love to do that. Um, as far as the course itself, you know, I teach, uh, teach this at a lot of event conferences and, and we're actually going to be launching uh, what will be called Fest School sometime early 
2019. So it's a whole program that anyone can be a part of and learn how to do it in their community with me guiding them through the process. So, you know, most of the materials online have been taken down at this point, but you'll see it go back live in early. It'll, it'll be a launch sequence sometime early in 19 that, you know, anyone can follow and be a part of. And it's, it'll be at festschool.com. Uh, and I'd love anyone to take a look at that and, and produce their own events. That's the best part about it, actually, is that anyone here in Chicago or anywhere can do what I do. It's pretty easy. What a cool giver's gain thing you're doing as well, because you've obviously gone through, like you said, 25 years of learning, uh, successes, failures, and you've probably learned a lot of stuff that nowadays would help somebody keep from failing or keep from wasting a lot of time, money, and effort um, that you probably had to go through when you were starting off. And even now, as you said, the landscape's changed quite dramatically. You've probably learned stuff the last couple of years that are very applicable to today's world of no question. No question. More, I've made more mistakes than anyone on the planet, I'm pretty sure of it, and, and failed a, th a million times. But I think that's, you know, if we learn from those mistakes and learn from those, then it's, it's easier for us to continue and grow. And, you know, I definitely think that anyone that, that wants to learn how to do this will have a huge learning curve. Um, at the same time, I can shorten that dramatically by being a part of Fest School and hearing all the mistakes I've made and understanding how to lay it out and generate revenue and yada, yada. I love it. And that's an awesome giver's gain mindset. And on that note, I'm moving to my second guest. I'm excited. We uh, Off air, we were chatting a lot about how much money you can make if you have a million social media followers. And apparently, you don't even need a million to make meaningful money. But I want to hear about her business, Carolyn Jones. She's a co-founder of Oak Street Social. Thank you for coming Hi. on. You're welcome. Um, tell us about Oak Street Social, how you got involved with it, and then we'll jump into some cool social media sure. topics. And I love the name, by the way. I love the name of your new business. Um, oh, thank you. You're welcome. So Oak Street Social is a social media marketing agency that I started with my business partner, Joanna. So we do essentially everything for social media for about 50 clients, meaning photo shoots, copy creation, uh, managing their ad spend, managing their communities, the whole nine yards. You name it, we do it. How did you get into that? I... Out of, out of college, I did not want to work for a regular company ever. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So immediately out of college, I started my own little business. It was a website development company. And after that, I moved to Chicago, started another website called prettycity.com, which was very, very successful. We did partnerships with Shape, Nordstrom. We did events all over the country, um, drove revenue through advertising. And during a difficult divorce, I lost access to my company for a while and immediately pivoted and started a new company with my top advertising salesperson from Pretty City because you have to make money to start a new business, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> something that people often forget. So we literally hit the ground running. And because I had a background in digital advertising, essentially from what I was doing at Pretty City, you know, it, it was not difficult. Um, I wrote for the Chicago Sun-Times and the St. Petersburg Times. So I came from a journalistic background. So copywriting was easy. And we just jumped in. And social media at that time, five years ago, was like the wild, wild west, as yeah. you said earlier. And we just had great success kind of immediately. But again, going after sales and revenue right from go. Good for you because it sounds like you're a strong risk taker because you knew you wanted to be a business owner from go. We've had a lot of people on here who they fell into becoming an entrepreneur in all different ways. Some people knew they always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but you're an entrepreneur doing really well. It gets kind of taken away from you and then you jump right back in. You're like, screw it. I'm going to 
put right, my and I wouldn't. Again. I wouldn't define that as being a risk taker. I would define. I'm actually a rule follower. Okay. My business partner is a risk taker. Okay. So one, I was smart enough to partner with someone who complemented the skills that I was lacking. Two, when you wake up and you find yourself without your life savings and no job. Um, I don't know if it's taking a risk. Yeah, you just <laughs> have to point, do it. At that point, like taking a risk would have been to do nothing. So I don't consider myself a risk taker. I do consider myself a doer, not a dreamer. Like I am a person who will get things done. And that is what I believe the secret to being successful is. You just got to do it. I really like that. I, and I won't share my story of how Main Street came, but it, it wasn't from a divorce. It was from a business divorce and a bad business partner. Uh, but I was left Similar, with, yeah. I was left with zero choice my entire business got taken away and the business partner I teamed up with was the top sales guy that had come on with me and he was the perfect complement to all of my weaknesses. And it was just, and I always tell people that if you're going to partner with somebody, find somebody that complements your weaknesses and somebody that you know you can just mesh with. You know, we stay out of each other's lane for the right. most part. Well, I know when he's taking what he's good at and doing it, I'm not going to tell him, ah, don't do that. He's right. going to do a good job. Um, and then he in turn kind of lets me do my thing. But I, I love that you took the next step and jumped into another business. Because some people will just go to working a nine to five. They're not gonna, starting a business yeah. is really hard. That's why I say you're a risk taker. You could have just said, you know what? I don't know if this next business is gonna be successful, but you were a doer and you believed in yourself and you put your foot down. I think that working for a traditional company feels riskier to me because I'm not a control freak at all, but yet I love the idea that I am in control. Like I, I would feel so out of control working for someone else, whereas working for myself, I, it's not a question of if I'm going to be successful. Of course I will, as long as I wake up at 5 a.m. like I do and work my butt off, it's gonna work. 5 a.m., huh? Always. Always? <laughs> I'm a late, and I'll ask you, are you an early guy or? Uh, a little later than 5 a.m. Yeah, I'm a sure. seven o'clock. John, you're early, you're an early guy. I'm uh, I'm in that six to seven range. Yeah, I'm a yeah. seven. I, this morning I was up at four thirty, and I thought I'm up two and a half hours before the sun. Something's wrong with this. So that five a.m. thing, I don't know. You can accomplish so much I at five a.m. And I have four children, so I have a lot. To do. Yeah, they're still sleeping, right? Yeah. That helps. Yes. I got no kids, but what I realized is I put up a Facebook post the other day. I said. You used to watch your parents just get up at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. and they just would do it without an alarm clock. It's starting to happen to me. I'm in my mid-30s now. And I just like, my alarm hasn't gone off and I'm awake. And I'm like, why? It's 6.45. I don't have to be up for another 45 minutes. Why am I awake? My body's just doing it. Right. It's starting to wake me up. Right. And I stay up late. See, I feel like I get a lot done at the end of the day, but I'm trying to get myself up earlier and I think my body's just listening. I think there's been tons of research that has suggested that more intelligent people stay up later. That's what I used to use when I was a night owl, but now I'm a 5 a.m. girl, so I don't know if any of it's true. Yeah, I think it's, uh, <laughs> like, I read Elon Musk is a very late guy, and he wakes up kind of early, but I heard Tony Robbins is kind of go to sleep relatively early and then wake up, so I think Whatever works, works both ways. right? <laughs> um, so I'm fascinated about your take on social media and what you guys would recommend to, I'll start with somebody who's starting off with a new business. Is sure. uh, Facebook... Instagram, there's so many different ways. Google Plus, there's so many things you can do now on social media. Is there a rule book to this or? Okay, well, Google Plus is dead, literally put out of its misery, right? I think a week or two ago, yeah, recently, Google right? announced, which is something that I was just waiting to happen because I didn't want to deal with Google Plus. Haven't ever believed that it was really viable, though it is backed by Google, so who knows? So we can take Google Plus out of the picture. Instagram is huge. With that said, 
there's two parts to social media marketing. Well, there's probably more, but two starting parts. One is perception marketing, right? And then one is actually driving revenue in the door type of marketing. Instagram, essential for perception marketing. The number of followers you have, how people are engaging, the pictures that are on your Instagram. Consumers will literally go to your Instagram feed before they will go to your website nowadays because in 30 seconds, they will make an analysis about your business based on your grid. So Instagram, essential for, for perception marketing. Facebook, I think more of a workhorse in terms of driving revenue uh, for many reasons, one of which is the amazing robustness of Facebook advertising and the affordability of it. And Facebook advertising has over time, I mean, we've been doing Facebook ads on the business pages for, I don't know, six, seven years with our real estate businesses. But it's become incredible, A, how detailed you can get with right. who you're trying to target, and B, um, the specificness of who you can target. Right. You can you can be detailed to, hey, I want this area, but then you can say, hey, somebody who just recently applied for a loan. Facebook almost feels like they have their claws on everything and they have so much data. I mean, they, they aggregate so much data. Yeah. Do you find that, I'm gonna talk a little bit about Google, because this is my business partner and I were just talking about this. So if I, I'll take real estate for example. If I took a real estate ad and I said, I'm looking for buyers in Lincoln Park and I did a Google pay-per-click, it's about five-ish dollars a click. But on Facebook, it's a lot less per click. But is it more valuable to pay that $5 or is it? Well, that's an amazing question, right? Yeah. So for one, when we're doing ad campaigns for our clients, our goal is five cents a click to wow. put things into perspective. Now, with that being said, my challenge in our organization is I have to tie in the consumer. I have to tie in the client at some point. So if you come to me and you say, Carolyn, make this happen for me. What will it cost me per click? And I say five cents per click. I can make that happen. But you want to talk about acquisitions? That's when you have to come in and do the work. Right. Are you getting more acquisitions for $5 on Google? Or are you getting more acquisitions for five cents a click? five dollars worth of advertising on Facebook and that's where the business owner has to get involved and really dig into their acquisitions which I'm shocked at how many business owners have no concept of what their cost per acquisition is right obviously I'm gonna put my money on Facebook all day long <laughs> I agree I agree I mean we've seen it I mean we're not in any way shape or form pros at this but we've started to realize that money is best spent on Facebook for us, at least. At least in the real estate world. I'm sure there's products that sell better in different sure. places, but for us, Facebook has been amazing. It's and been clients that we work with, for even just web traffic, like we have blogger clients or clients who are looking to drive content, right? They're not selling a product. Used to be no question I would put that money into Google AdWords. And remember, I came from a business where I was selling my content from prettycity.com. So no, all day long, I would have put that money into Google AdWords. Now I can get much more traffic on Facebook for a much lower price and quality traffic because it's extraordinarily targeted. Both of you and... Um I mean, you touched a little bit on um, TV space, and I'm going to ask you about the television space. I was watching a Gary V clip where he was, I don't know, I think it was Subway. He was just doing what Gary does, mother effing Subway, <laughs> about why they spent all this money on a television ad when they could have taken it to Facebook and could have reached their target audience like a hundredfold right. if they had gone there. Are you guys seeing that kind of television and radio marketing is almost almost going dead too? You know, I don't know if I could opine on that. I think the biggest thing I would say is that social media is 
the largest global storytelling tool that we have. You cannot ignore it. And I think what I've actually seen over the past five years is that five years ago, three years ago even, people weren't taking social media as seriously as they are now. So we're seeing a huge shift in terms of how much money people are putting into it, how important they're considering their branding. And obviously what you can do with video on social media is amazing. You can place an ad on TV, but is it going to get shared like it can on Facebook? These are important considerations. I don't know that TV is dead, uh, but you know... YouTube, which is social media, is sure trying to replace it, right? Sure. Or IGTV. You made a really good point. The idea of going viral when you're saying hit something and share to, you know, right. a million times over, you can't really do that with television. It'll right. it'll be a television clip that ends up making its way to social right. media through YouTube, <laughs> and then it's shared a million times and then becomes right. viral. And um, things going viral now get people followers. And we we're touching uh, touching base on this before the show. And a certain number of followers now, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, you can start making some meaningful money. Right, yeah. So I joke with everybody. I hashtag shamelessly, but I think I suck at it. I mean, like I'll put my dog up and I'm like, hashtag German Shepherd. Hashtag I love German it. Puppies, Good job. Hashtag GSDs of Instagram. Hashtag big puppy. Hashtag little puppy. <laughs> and I don't get a lot of followers. I'm like... 1,800, 2,000 followers. I have around 2,000 followers, so I don't have a big following. Um, Are there any methods that you recommend to the average person on how to get their follower base up? Um, Is it, you gotta be consistent with your content? That's it? No, that's not it, but that's really important. Uh, You just immediately touched on an obvious that people overlook consistency is key. So if you own a business and you're not taking your social media seriously, and I go to your social media feeds and they're they haven't been posted on in a while. I, I often see, especially if pe- business owners are trying to do it themselves, they go on like a little flurry, like they got a little social media excitement and then they don't post for a month or two. So what that says to me as a consumer is that your business is not serious, not legitimate. Right or wrong, it sends the wrong message, message. I think. So consistency exceedingly important. In fact, what I tell people who come to us for social media help but can't afford our rates which happens to me frequently because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm like, you don't want to hire us. You want to do it yourself right now. Consistency is key. So if you can commit to one time a week, do it one time a week. If you can commit to three times a week, great. But don't do it sporadically in the middle of the night when you feel like it. John and I made a little gentleman's bet at the beginning before you guys got here because <laughs> yes, we were trying to be consistent and we had a little meeting and we, we set days in which both of us have to post. And if we mess up, it's a $20, $20, $25? I wanted 25 Okay, we'll make it 25 <laughs> you said you said You said 20 so. Yeah, oh, fine. 25 bucks. We, 25, find, we find the other person just to be consistent. John um, has a question back there that he wants me to ask and it's... um, And he... <laughs> She might have some crazy advice for this one. Any advice on making a video go viral? Any advice on making a video go viral? Well, I think it's all about content. content. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> the videos There's some be... ways to make stuff go viral. <laughs> um, obviously, if you shock people, engage yeah. them. I mean, emotional is important. Um, controversial is great. When you were talking about hashtags earlier, I was like, yes. I work with businesses all the time who feel that using hashtags on Instagram, not on Facebook, okay, on Instagram is obnoxious. It shows that they want business as if this is a really negative thing. You can use up to 30 hashtags on an Instagram post. Use them all. You, We are in business. That yeah. We are talking about being ambitious entrepreneurs here. So, 
Is there a difference between hashtagging on the actual post or no. then in the comment? No, there's okay, no difference. So good. what you can do and what we recommend is bury it in the comments. That's just an aesthetic preference. But in terms of how much reach you get on Instagram, it will not change the performance. So 30 hashtags in the comments are fine. So if if I post something, so I post my dog again. Yes. And I don't want to put the hashtags in the post. In yeah. the first comment, I can do it and it's the same effect. Perfect. Wonderful. Up to 30. Up to 30. And feel free to use them all. I'm going to have so many German Shepherd <laughs> variations. <laughs> I do the dog, the car. Hashtag puppy love. And that's the thing. Like, I, I, you know, our office, we do a poor job of our office social media. But I've been trying to grow my own social media presence. But I'm all over the place. I mean, I have some stuff out with friends. I have my dog. I have a car. I have this, that, and the other. I feel like a lot of people, like you said, are very consistent. The ones that do really well are very consistent with whatever the message is. And almost the hashtags are almost consistent. Yeah. They might switch them a little bit, but they have a lot of consistency with their hashtags. So for obviously, my personal Instagram is not run by my company. I unfortunately have to run it myself. So what I do is I use an app called Planoly and I have hashtag banks that are saved for the type of content buckets I'm going to post about. The way that I decide the type of content buckets I'm going to post about, again, it's my personal feed. So I made a list of the top five things that were important to me. And there were a lot, there's a lot of advice from people like, don't post your kids, don't post this, don't post whatever. My children are actually at the top of the list of things that are important to me. So my children are on the list of the things that you'll see on my personal Instagram feed. And I have a saved hashtag bucket that I use when I post a picture of my kids. That's I'm, awesome. I'm fascinated. So what is <laughs> that? Awesome. It's postally? Planally. Planally. There Planally. are a lot of different apps, but Planally is one of the one of the good ones. I am going to start Planalying because I have like <laughs> three or four things I post and I post them consistently all the time. Right. Um, Just to jump in for a quick second, as far as the bet that we have, <laughs> if Let's it's get back to that. wheelhouse, hashtag German Shepherd, hashtag my dog, hashtag Conor McGregor. That, that's not going to count. Hashtag that's, proper 12, yeah. whiskey. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. I feel like I see it a lot of times where people are have very confused looking hashtags. And you know, I was doing a little bit of research on you guys, and you said there's a lot of, ha you guys do hashtag research. Mm -hmm. So for your clients, you look into what might right. make a better hashtag for what they're trying to get across, correct? Right. So there's actually Some a art. service you can use called Hashtagify, which is a hashtag research service. Wow. And obviously you can do your own research too, right? So you can, one of the things you can do is you can look at your Instagram insights and we're talking a lot about Instagram right now, but Twitter, who we, which Twitter we haven't happened. even mentioned, hashtags are huge on Twitter. Real drivers of reach. I mean, every Monday, Monday motivation trends, every Wednesday. I go on hashtag, I go on Twitter like a week ago, um, Mean Girls Day was trending. And immediately I was thinking, which clients could we post? It might sound silly, but on that day for that hashtag, it gets them free additional reach. So we were like, okay, let's create some posts. Yeah. And Twitter was kind of the uh, godfather of hashtagging. They were right. the initiator, the pioneer of hashtagging. Do you find that Twitter is still being uh, as effective now that kind of no. Instagram is in? You feel no. like it's lost? Its I don't think it's as effective. I still think it's an important tool. It's a great way to forge connections with reporters. I don't know about you guys, but for news, like all of my news, Conor McGregor, we were talking about it. We lost our stream some point during the fight. And my husband and I was like, hold on, let me get on Twitter, find out what's going on. Um, everything newsworthy I find out about it on Twitter my husband is a police officer and he has a special app on his phone to let him know about active shooters he will let me know about an active shooter 
I could get it on Twitter first every time. Really? So I think Twitter's phenomenal in terms of real time news. Okay. I think it has a value. I don't think for marketing it's as effective right now as Instagram and Facebook are. What about for blogs? So I I know blogging is something that's been around for a long time, but I think driving traffic to a website when you have a blog that has, um, you know, your own content, original content right. is, is pretty important. Sure. Correct. Does twi- is Twitter a better resource for moving your blog than no, some No, it's other? not better. It's great to use Twitter to promote your blog. Better yet would be Facebook, I think. Okay. And if you have Instagram, you're in a business, if you have Instagram, if you've got an Instagram account and you create a business account with it, so you turn a personal into business, you have over 10,000 followers, you can embed links in your stories. So for example, on the way here, I shot a story about the fact that I was coming here and I embedded a link to the live stream. How many followers do you need? To do that, 10,000. 10,000. Yeah. Shh, I'm so far away. <laughs> yeah, a little shy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to do some really uh, viral videoing, John. I don't know what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get, we have to drink a whole lot more whiskey to get me there. Um, you know, I'm, it's, it's all fascinating. I'm sure for you guys, and I'm going to move back um, to uh, John for a second here. You guys probably use all the social media platforms as well, correct? You know, I, no. I, I think I, I got a connection here. <laughs> there's, there's so many. It's very difficult, and yes. I, I'm actually curious to know, like, for an entrepreneur versus, you know, an event that I'm trying to promote yeah. versus whatever, you know, your car shots or your dog shots. Where do you want to promote that? It's, it's, it's. There's some platforms that I think work better, but I will tell you that, you know, in regards to you know Oak Street and and you know you guys reaching out. If you don't understand social media, and ninety-five percent of the businesses I deal with don't, right? Um, and it is this is the this is the wild west of like the gold rush. Like if you miss this opportunity to promote your business, Crazy. you are losing out in such a big way. This is it. This is the moment that you've got such cheap advertising to target it directly to your yeah. person. And if you don't get it, and you're running a radio ad or a TV campaign or something else, you're losing so huge in this marketplace that if you're out there and listening to this and you don't have a great plan on social media, call somebody, preferably Caroline. Yeah. Thank you, John. Uh, you know, question. I'm telling you that I don't know a ton about it. We we actually use it, we outsource some of this too. But you know, we love you know Facebook and, and and Instagram are probably the two that we focus on more than anything else because they're just the two easiest. But Facebook for for ads has taken my reader spend, the the, the mm-hmm. Tribune spend, any print spend is now Facebook pretty much. Yeah, we do some a little bit of Snapchat maybe or a little bit of you know depending on the event where where we're going. There might be some special social media niches we go to, but Facebook is the, is the crusher. It's, mm-hmm. it's targeted. It works. It's awesome. It's better than anything else you can do. And if you're not doing it besides face to face, if you're not doing it, you're foolish. I, I agree. And Carolyn, how do people reach out to you? If somebody needs to get oh, a hold you of can you guys. go to oakstreetsocial.com. Okay. And you can also obviously follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. I, um, I agree. I, I, if you are not, if you're a business owner or you're trying to sell a product, a salesperson, and you are not well-educated or well-versed in what to do on social media, you should hire a professional because you are, you're right. We're in this weird or fascinating window here of opportunity where you can, in a short period of time, take your success level to an exponential level. We were laughing before we started about a couple different Instagram you know, pages. A right. guy who talks to deer, who went from 100,000 followers to 2.2 million, and he went from you know, probably having a, a decent life to being a multi-millionaire. Right. We were talking, if you have a couple million followers, you get paid per ad how much? I mean, Tens of thousands? Right. I think it definitely varies. But even micro-influencers, and that's one of the things we were talking about, which are defined 
as anything less than 100,000, it's been declared that 2018 was the year of the micro-influencer. So brands are starting to realize that a smaller influencer who focuses on talking to deers, for example, may have a specific value to them that Kim Kardashian doesn't. And so there's really immense opportunity for even micro-influencers, people even with 2,000 followers like you. I've been scaring <laughs> raccoon, uh, not raccoon, uh, possums out of my backyard because I don't want my dog to get after them the last like two weeks. I don't know. I got tons of them. I'm going to start trying to feed them tonight. <laughs> I don't know how that'll go. I'll the like, possum hey, whisperer. I haven't seen whisper. that one yet. Maybe Hashtag everybody <laughs> eat. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to drink a lot of proper 12. Maybe yeah, McGregor will back, share me. Stuff. We're going to know how that went. Um, but... So can people reach out to you if that's a goal of theirs is to start learning how to become an influencer on an Instagram? Is that something you guys coach? I would say primarily we work with businesses Businesses. that are looking to drive revenue through social media. With that being said, we do host quarterly seminars face-to-face. We literally just wrapped one last week, Instagram Hacks, 22 Instagram Hacks. So we'll have another one coming up. We have our schedule for 2019 set out on our website. So yeah, there's obviously, there's always an opportunity to learn. And I think there's so much information available. If you want to become an Instagram influencer that's all probably a whole nother show yeah we, <laughs> well, we can talk about it but it's not what we do at professionally it's okay. kind of uh, my partner and I have been forced into that space ourselves because what happened unintentionally we didn't intend this is that our prospective clients would look at our personal Instagram and draw conclusions about how effective we would be for them rather than our business Instagram so we had to kind of step up and talk the talk Here's a wild question, and it, it may vary from business to business. Sure. And, and I tell, realtors are notoriously bad, and I have a lot of realtor followers that follow this. They're notoriously bad at spending any money on advertising. You know, they, they make some money, and then they keep their, you know, their income the same because they never do anything extra. They never put themselves out there. They never advertise their businesses. Hmm. Are there ranges of percentages that you see of revenue that, companies that have been very successful are reinvesting back into social media or marketing with you guys. Is, is there a, I have a number a that question. I tell realtors, you know, I think you should at minimum reinvest this much because if I tell them more, they just won't do it. Um, and my numbers, at least 10% of mm-hmm. every check, I tell them you get a check and it's $2,000, take 200 bucks away, put it aside and of your gross and then reinvest that yeah. in marketing. Because I see that a lot of, business owners and especially realtors, they just don't do it. They won't put it back. And I think social media is the right place for them to put it. Sending snail mail on some of my realtors, because we do send uh, actual mailers, they're going to be like, well, you tell us to send mailers. (laughs) I do, because it does work. Farm marketing still does work. It's not as effective as social media anymore. It just isn't. Social media is number one for us. Is there a range there? So I don't know what the range would be. I would say there's so many good points you raised. I would say a few things. One, I would say this is really important. Social media is no longer free. So yes, you can start an account for free, but you're not going to get very far with that. So you have got to invest in social media, whether that's advertising, whether that's content creation, whatever you're doing, if it's boosting Facebook ads, if it's marketing on Instagram, you have to do it. I think what... I see, and we actually have some realtor clients, is I think people get confused about what social media marketing is versus traditional marketing. And social media marketing is storytelling. So for example, if I'm a realtor and every post is about a house that I'm selling, that's actually not the right way to do it. The right way to do it is something that you mentioned earlier is to pose yourself as the expert in your neighborhood, share events in your neighborhood, share the best restaurant in the neighborhood, 
determine where you're going to have an expertise and share content that's appealing and shareable and then sprinkle in, I've got a house to sell, I've got a condo to list, et cetera. Totally. So I think maybe part of the problem is they don't know what to do, but obviously to grow, you have to invest in your growth. So spending money is essential. Totally. It's, it's like the jab, jab, right hook. Yes, yes. Gary, Gary, <laughs> Gary V. You know, give away a bunch of great stuff, great content and, and sprinkle in the message of, hey, by the way, on a side note, I've been selling this home over here and I think you'll crush it way more than just most realtors are just putting up their listings all the time. And, you know, I think that that's such a great strategy and it is so true. And with, with the analytics and the metrics and mm -hmm. the, you know, you need to track and measure your results. And on all these, you can so much easier than radio, television and print. Uh, what are you going to track on print? You know, sure. nothing, but, but on, on, you know, five cent ads where you can target the person that's going to click that versus a, a, a $10,000 half page ad in Chicago magazine. Come on. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to spend the right. I could spend a grand on Facebook and crush whatever Chicago magazine would do for me. And I love the magazine, but, but yeah. just know that I wouldn't be spending a full page ad. It's ridiculous. And you can't track or measure anything. It's just like, well, like we kind of got a boost in sales. And if you've got a product or a service that you can track, then Facebook is the way to go and finding some way to do that, to monetize, this is it. And this is, I mean, ours is different. We do special events where it's hard to really track attendees because I can't sell a ticket. So it's a little difficult, but I'd say for most businesses, they should for sure be doing that immediately. I agree. I 100% agree with both of you. You know, you see realtors all the time and we're talking about real estate. Here's a two bedroom, two bath condo. Well, you two might never give a crap about ever again looking at a two bed, two right. bath condo. So you've lost them immediately at that instead of what you recommended and, and you um, give them something of value and then sprinkle in the sales message at right. the end. I really like that. And that's how I would pick your events for your newsletter. Other okay. than obviously star events. I would look at how many <laughs> I would look at how many sales you have you in certain that. neighborhoods and pick the events that correlate to those areas. I'm gonna send the whole episode to Laura and be like, we had advice at the beginning and towards the end of the show on how we have to do this email and Watch she'd be like, it, cliff notes, please. Um, one thing um, you wrote down about a and and uh, He's probably looking at me like, say who you're talking to, uh, yes. John. Um, about a piece of advice, and it's one thing that I, for the last decade of my life, have done, and it's evolved, so I want to get your take on it. Um, you said, write down your goals to be successful in a questionnaire we had given you. Are you a big goal writer? Always. Always. Always, 100%. I think that there's a study out of Stanford or Yale, one of those two, that, that literally said, those that write down their goals versus those that just say them or think them uh, achieve them much less often. Actually, there was a whole bunch of graduates they did this with. You probably know the study, but uh, nodding your head as if you do. You know, the graduates that wrote down their goals, those achieved them so much quicker than those that didn't. And those that didn't write them down didn't. And I think there is something about that. So, of course, I always, I always every year, actually every quarter or so, I try to write one year, three year, five year goals for my company, for myself, or whatever. And I think it is one of the best things ever. And you look back four or five years and you're like, wow. I have all those things mm -hmm. now, and yeah. well, what's the next list? So yes, of course. Carolyn, are you kind of in that same boat? Big goal because you're, you're you called yourself at the beginning a doer, and I you you're I'm the dreamer and the, the risk taker, and the doer lead into <laughs> my doer. favorite quote of all time, and my office makes fun of me. So you, so uh, I believe in intention, and I okay. think I believe in setting intentions, and I strongly believe 
that if you don't set intentions, you lose track of what your goals are. Great. So we're probably using different words for the same yeah. thing. Yeah. I try to, I've really learned that I have to always remember what I'm intending. And if I don't, I get kind of lost in the weeds a little bit and I forget what I'm intending. So not necessarily that my goal is to do this, but that my intention is to live this lifestyle or to have this experience or to feel this way about something and make sure my actions are in alignment with that. So my favorite quote is a goal without a plan is just a wish. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I started teaching our realtors at the beginning of every year leading up to the beginning is write down your goals, but then we have to have a plan to reach them. Because one thing I realized is they'd write their goals down and we get to six months in, they're like, wow, I'm so far off. Yeah. So I would tell them if I had a goal of losing 50 pounds this year, you guys would say, okay, that's a lot of weight. But if I said I want to lose one pound this week, right. you guys would say, well, don't eat Chipotle, you idiot. You'll lose <laughs> a pound this week. You eat Chipotle three times a week, you won't lose a pound. And a pound a week for 52 weeks is 52 pounds. So mm-hmm. making actionable plans to be able to hit those goals, but having that one year, three year, but then right. breaking them down into literally, I call it winning the week. What do you have to do this week and to win the week? And if you add up enough wins, you end up winning. But when I saw you write that down on the questionnaire, it, it piqued my interest because it's one of the things, and I have read the study, it's, it's one of the things that I'm very fascinated about. And I feel like entrepreneurs like both of you, um, whether you write it down or you take the action to create it, you at least have a good vision of what it is you want to accomplish. And then you take action to actually accomplish them. And um, John, are we running out of time here? Because I know we're... No, I'm actually that. fascinated with this. So if, if they have a little more time, you yeah, want to okay, going, perfect. by all means. Yeah, we'll give it another uh, five or so minutes. It, it's, Absolutely. For me, I could go on and on and on. And we I know. feel yeah, like... Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> him and I, we both said we ramble. But I'll go to you, John. <laughs> Has that... When did you start doing that? God, I was in my 20s. Uh, I'm 51 now, so forever, half my life or more. Uh, And it's just, it's changed my life. I wouldn't be where I am. You know, I'm a a kid from Rockford, Illinois, blue collar. And, you know, here I am not thinking I could ever be where I'm at today, but it's because of that. And and you mentioned Tony Robbins and, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Ferriss. And like, there's a million of these folks. I think that being a lifetime learner, always investing in myself education wise, as well as writing down my goals are really the two things I could attribute, you know, trying to be optimistic and, and live, love matter. I wrote that somewhere because I think that Brendan Burchard said this, he's also a great guru you should look into, but, you know, that's how I want to live my life. Those are my intentions. And mm. you're right. I think you and I are on the same page, Caroline, about this because intentions versus writing them down. I think it's very similar. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, being a successful entrepreneur is in my blood. I haven't worked for anyone my whole life. Like I've always been an entrepreneur. And, you know, in order to keep that, you've got to be you got to take it serious. You got to write. You got to be focused and you've got to really, you know, try to make every day the best or you're going to fail. There's too much competition. So, you know, I think that some of these tricks or hacks make it so easy to be successful or easier to be successful. And if you do them, you'd be shocked at how quickly you can turn your life around or your business around, you know, and I think that's all we've talked about all day is how to use social media or how to, you know, write down goals or have intentions, et cetera. I think some of these things, if people did, would a year from now see that their lives are dramatically different if they just simply took those few steps. And you're right that you have to break them down every day, Mm -hmm. every week, every month, every year, et cetera. Like the further you can break those down and the easier the step is, the easier it is to swallow the achievement or the fact that you can do it. If I'm thinking, God, I want to lose 100 pounds, I'll never do it. It'll never happen. You'll never make it. But if I want to lose, like you said, one pound a week, that's nothing. Right. I can do that every week. And Chipotle does have actually a couple that are actually <laughs> not bad for you. Ask Tim Ferriss' four-hour body. But You uh, should see oh, my Chipotle burrito. I do too. I, lo- <laughs> I love him. I actually I listen to his podcast quite a bit. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's Tools of Titans is great. It's awesome. a great, you can just grab it and kind of read an excerpt or a, a chapter and get a lot from All him. His 
his books. I love the four hour uh, yeah. work week. I mean, yeah, it's the first one that's awesome. I still love I've re- I read it three or four times. It's still great. I, I sit in the car a lot, so I use a lot of audible now. So I'll just I'll put a list of books together that I want to listen to. I'll read some stuff still, but I use tons and tons of audible. Do you use it in the Always. car a lot? That's Always. My, it's my favorite app. Yeah. Any favorite books? <laughs> it you sounds know, like you probably have a lot. I, I, too many, to, but you know, I, I love like Think and Grow Rich, which is yeah. super old, but I think it's a great book for people great to read. Book. Uh, and yeah. I, I love all Tim Ferriss's books. I think they're also great. Mm-hmm. Gary has Gary Vaynerchuk. You ones. know, the Jab, jab Right Hook. That's a great book that people in business should understand that. It's definitely the message of give a bunch of content and then sprinkle in your message. But there's so many out there, it's hard to say. But, you know, just reading. Reading in general, I think I read something that, you know, if you read a book a month, you're more likely, all, all millionaires or 99% of them read a book a month or more. Yeah. I try to read a book a week, and I think that it's important for anyone to read whatever you're reading. Um, mm-hmm. How about you, Carolyn? Any favorite books? I wake up in the morning and read. So really? when okay. I wake up at 5, I usually spend from 5 to 5.30 reading. While we're sleeping, <laughs> yes, she exactly. is getting one step ahead of us. I know this sounds crazy, but it's almost like I need to relax when I wake up in the morning, which I don't know why. I've just slept all night, but I need to, like, I don't know. I just need to ground myself. So I often reread a book about intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. It's one of my favorites. Okay. Um, Not a wildly religious person, but completely obsessed with all the conversation with God books. I don't know if you're ready. There's many of them. Uh, Business-wise, I'm more of a podcast girl. Like I said, I love Tim Ferriss. I love um, how I built this, and I love listening to podcasts. I, I've become, because we're doing this now, such a lover of podcasts. And I feel like the access to information in them is so quick. You could put headphones mm-hmm. on, run to the gym. You right. could be on a treadmill. You could do whatever. You could be in a car. And you have access to, you could be walking to the train. You have access to information. Mm-hmm. I tell people now, I read more and I take in more content than I did when I was in law school. We had these big, thick, stupid books that yeah. we didn't learn anything from. And here I am now learning so much more. You touched on something about waking up and being stressed out. And I'm always fascinated about this too, because I am, I wake up a little bit before I have to get going and doing things now, right. but I feel stressed almost every morning. Cause the first thing I do You're is so I, just, I grab my phone and I'm like, all right, what do I have to do? Here's all these emails. Now I got to go get showered, yeah. put my dog out and get running. I, I should probably wake take that five. lesson from you. <laughs> Not five, maybe six. My body's naturally going to get me there in the next year or two. But um, it's interesting reading when you wake up. Cause I read before I go to sleep Yeah. now. So reading before, when you wake up, I might switch that. Yeah, it yeah you I, it's great. Yeah, you should. I think that you're not reading Tim Ferriss's books. Then he says, "Don't read those emails right when you wake yeah, up." Yeah, I, I do. Two I do the exact day, opposite. Maybe. Yeah. yeah so I sure. have a what I do at night is I go back to twelve o'clock midnight the day before, and any email that I missed, I catch back up on. So I'll start. That's you know, it, so I don't miss anybody. Anybody that I should be, if it's spam and they're spamming me, you know, like a you know, buy this and get, you know, two free. I don't, I don't look at it, but I go back and I respond to everybody at midnight. So 24 hour, more than 24 hours doesn't go by without a response from me, but I just wake up and I feel like I have 70 agents bugging me. You guys don't bug me, but I got agents messaging me. I get a thousand voicemails a month and my phone immediately stresses out, stresses me out. I feel like if I just left it aside for 30 minutes and did listen to Tim Ferriss or what Carolyn's saying and just read a book, it might be smart. And I don't know if you have to email, respond to every email within 24 hours. Really? That might be freeing for you to think maybe you just don't yeah, have to. Yeah, maybe I don't have to. It's, it's this thing that I do every <laughs> night. Well, that's like one of my things is I'll just go back to 12 o'clock and I respond quickly uh, to everybody. But yeah, it's, I'm, 
I'm not doing brain surgery or heart surgery. Well, plus, I think the thing is that email is very, it feeds itself, right? The yeah. more you email, the more emails you get back. So sometimes if you just can't get it all in a 24-hour period, that's okay. And things also, I've noticed that when you email, they respond, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You spend a lot of time. And I one thing I am very big on is efficiency because of how busy I am yeah. personally and professionally. And that, I think, has helped me being an entrepreneur more than anything is like looking at things from the top down and saying, okay, here's a quick solution or here's an efficient way to do that. Or you know what? That doesn't actually have to be done. Yeah, totally. I think it's also the, in, in my office, we end up being reactive a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you so know, easy to do. I think if you're working in your business, writing all those emails or on your business, there's a yes. big distinction. And, you know, I think that everyone, especially entrepreneurs need to do both, but they have to allocate time to work on or else they never will. I could be reactive all day, every day, mm-hmm. because my clients are very demanding and need lots of attention, and there's a lot of loose pieces that I need to put together, but I need to make sure the intention for me in the morning is, what time am I gonna set aside for me mm-hmm. to work on, not in? And it's Love a huge that. issue. It's the 80, so I, I yeah, talked to agents about that, yeah, the Pareto's principle. So yeah. it's, you know, work on your business, not in your business, the yep. 20% that produces 80% of your results. Amen. You know, one thing Mark Cuban, I read an article about him, and he said, people who say that, human or that I'm not a procrastinator or full of shit because humans by nature are procrastinators. And he said one thing that's helped him not be a procrastinator is if he's got time and a task, it could be anything, whether it's putting you know laundry away, although I don't think he puts his laundry away anymore. <laughs> and it takes less than five minutes to do. Do it now. Don't let the task add up yeah. because eventually you're going to have all these little tasks to do. So get it out of the way and then worry about the big ticket stuff. And I've started doing that because I'll just sit there and be like, well, I should go do this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Like, Does it take less than five minutes? Yep. I'm going to go do it and just get it out of the way. And I feel like I should separate emails from that. I think you're right. I think I look at emails as it's five minutes. It's less than five minutes. But if I have a hundred of right. them, it's not less there than goes five your day. minutes. There's the five minutes are gone. I agree with both of you. Honestly, John, I could probably go on forever and ever. Uh, what is John asking me to say? <laughs> By the way, for those of you who are like seeing me look over the iPad because I'm too short to see over them just sitting here, John gives me cues from time to time. Now we've outed ourselves, John. Oh, um, no. So I will start with uh, Ladies First from Carolyn. Any advice, it could be for somebody, whether they're in business getting on social media, want to be an entrepreneur, any piece of advice you want to give the people listening? Oh, gosh. Okay, I'll try to keep think? it quick. Uh, my first advice, bit of advice, as I said earlier, I think, or in my questionnaire, is just do it. Go for it. I'm a big believer that it's actually fairly easy to be an entrepreneur if you just do it. Uh, The other thing I would say as a new business person starting out is with regard to social media, your social media handles are just as important as your website and your .com. So you cannot start a new business for which you cannot get those social media handles. So if your favorite name is taken on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, you need to pick a new business name. Before, and I, I love that, but before we get to uh, John, I, I my Instagram handle is therealmo.ca <laughs> because some jerk had taken my name and it was just a question mark and I couldn't get it. And mm-hmm. then he eventually had my photo there. And this happened on Twitter too. Oh, so he took my name. And I actually got my Twitter back. So Twitter actually got Good. deactivated yeah. that account and gave it to me. But some jerk has my name and it's got no value. So I put the real in front of it. <laughs> like, 
I'm, this is the real profile. Well, I think that's a little different because that's your personal <laughs> right, Instagram. Right, but certainly right. if you were going to start tomorrow a new real estate business and you said, Carolyn, this is the name we have, the dot com's available, blah, blah, blah. I would say if the at handles aren't available, we need to change that name. It's interesting. Almost more important than having the dot coms because you can mess around with that mask things, but you really can't do that on social mm -hmm, media. Exactly. Well, what, what advice would you give me then if I started the business before Facebook, before Instagram? I know, that's tough, We called right? it Star Events. Well, the, the <laughs> yeah. th Star Events is a great name, and it's funny. We were initially called Barry Entertainment, but I didn't want my name in there because everyone's like, oh, you're John Barry. Right. You know, so I changed it to Star Events, which is a much better name anyway. Um, but all over the world, there are some variations of Star Events. So it was like it's always a race. When a new social media platform comes out, I'm trying to get my thing, but we're Star Events USA on one platform because someone in Paris took Star Events. Um, now, they don't have the website. They don't have Instagram. They don't have you know certain social medias. I own them all, but I'm not about to go back 25 years and change my name now, but I couldn't right. get that one, and they won't give it up. I've tried. We've tried to buy it from them, but they won't do it. Yeah. So what do you do in that case? So in a perfect world, I would prefer that your, that your handles be consistent. Consistency would be my next wish. So if your business name is something and you just can't get that, then if all of your handles are some consistent name, that would right. be my next preference. And obviously it's complicated. You need to consider where do you have the most following, et cetera. But you cannot expect people to go to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, and look for different, yeah. different names. John, I don't want to use Star Events, but Johnny's Tap, Tap on Main, you know, Johnny's Legit Tap. That's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I and agree. you're going to miss out on opportunities to get tagged. It, I see it all the time. You know, you're not going to get that reach because people can't find you. Completely. I'm going to spread terrible false news about the other star events. <laughs> yeah, me, gonna get me it back. too. They're going to sell it on the cheap after we slander well, that. The crazy thing is they took our logo as well, <gasps> and oh. just like your photo. They, they, they oh. were using our logo to promote a company called Star Events in Paris. Oh, my um, God. And they had one of our social media names uh, as Star Events. And uh, we had to involve lawyers and all kinds oh. of stuff, but it's crazy when you're thinking worldwide now because social media yeah. has connected all of us so it's not the days of the 90s when you know or even the days of when I was in high school with no cell phone uh, aging myself there but you know and I miss those days very much but today's day and age is not just in the US or in Illinois or in Chicago it's all over the world you got to look at those tags yeah. because they're ever or the, the you know whatever your social handle handles are uh, hard to do but you're a step ahead because you realize that things have changed and you're changing with the time trying <laughs> any advice I mean, you've given us a ton of advice, Nothing. both of you. Have any last pieces of advice? You know, I, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that's been hard is I, even for me was, you know, setting these goals and then thinking that when I hit that goal, that's when I'll be happy. Uh, you know, and, and what I've learned in my old age is that it's really the journey. You've got to find a way to, you know, that whole Brennan Bouchard live, love, matter every day. Like, I want to enjoy every day, and, and it's, it's important to find that balance each day, not that the end goal is going to make you happy. Like, once I lose 100, then I'll find happiness, or once I find that... Mm -hmm you know, the, the marriage or the girlfriend or whatever, you know, once I get the X amount of dollars in my bank account, none of that's going to matter. It's all about the, the, you know, the, the journey itself. And I think that for folks out there also, the, you know, taking risks in life is important. Making mistakes is important. And, you know, I'd rather have the highs of the, the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows than just ride that mediocre plane any day of the week. I don't mind touching bottom. I don't mind touching top, but you can't touch top if you don't touch bottom, in my opinion. So I think that everyone should try to you know, ride a little harder when you, when you slide into, you know, home base when you pass away. I want to be all beat up. You know, that's the, you've seen this on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I want to be. I want to just I want to squeeze every bit of juice out of my life that I can uh, and enjoy every single day as much as possible. I love that. That is the advice of an entrepreneur. Yeah, and you you would have uh, never been content in a nine to five. <laughs> never, I agree. Never. I, I love it. This I mean, 
we say this every week. We could go for hours. I'd love to have them on again together because this this would be a cool dynamic to keep going. We can figure out how to become in, you know Instagram influencers. <laughs> Him and I'll take notes yeah, while no, you're I, just telling us what to I'm do. I'm going to attend that one when you do yeah, that for sure. I really, it, please let us know when the next one is. We'd love to attend it. Um, I think that if you are not learning about social media in today's business platform, you're a fool and you're likely going to be left behind. So give Carolyn a call. If you guys have any questions about how to grow your businesses or want to hire somebody to do social media marketing and, and even more than that, just building your uh, presence, your marketing presence, like you said, you guys do photographs, you guys really build that presence. Give them a call because uh, you're not going to be able to bridge the gap of knowledge fast enough um, to make up for the loss in time and the loss of marketing that you're going to be able to get hiring somebody like you guys. And... Check out all of Star Events events. I mean, just talking about Taste of Randolph, what you guys have done in all your events, but what you guys have done, it's the one that I intend almost every year. In the last six, seven years has really been remarkable. Watching the growth, it's been crazy. Um, so yeah, we're the best. You, you, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I, it's, I it's, it's, it's the only one I go back to every year. Um, so you guys are doing something right there. It's, it's awesome. I, I'll come in from... The suburbs now. I live in the suburbs now to attend that. I don't do it for any of the other events, and I mean that. Um, you guys do an incredible job. So thank you. Keep kicking butt. I appreciate John, it. Any, any 5Ks? You got two fives. Yeah, this weekend is which the Roscoe is Village, which is unique because it's not lakefront. Everyone runs the lakefront five Ks all day long. This is a neighborhood five K. It's okay. going to be awesome. It's this coming Sunday. Uh, still some open registrations. There's, you know, it's a first year race around cool. the community. Uh, really hard to logistically put together, but really fun for the runners. Uh, and it's this weekend, and I hope to see you out there. I'll be there on Sunday myself. Come say hi. And it's not that long. It's three point one something yeah, miles, so most people can do it. Sign what's up. The, what's the <laughs> website to go to? Uh, you can go to Star Events. Dot com awesome. and you'll find it there very good awesome john anything else from you any more shout outs to four or five up me before we go <laughs> <laughs> is there another another no, bad no, thing no, has no, happened no. and you're gonna no, give another shout no, out here no. no everything is good i was just <laughs> i was so i was so looking forward to today from having conversations with both of them and you and i talked on monday and i was saying that the energy in the room was going to be awesome and we're almost at an hour and a half and and we, don't and we do, do say it. We do say it a lot. But this this could go on and on. And I really do. I would like to have you both back on the same show because the back and forth was fantastic. You both bring so much to the table. And Mo, you did a great job. Just thanks, buddy. You know, getting out of the way. Letting Yay, Mo. Drop knowledge. <laughs> yeah, you know, thank they you. were just dropping knowledge all the whole the whole show. I, I'm gonna I really enjoyed hashtag it. bank myself tonight. <laughs> just wait. I'm too. I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not gonna have some banks thing. of German Shepherd hashtags, <laughs> car hashtags. As long as it's on the real Modaka and not eight wheel yeah, house, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Um, we'll see you guys next week at three o'clock again on Wednesday. Thank you again, guys, for listening. If you have any questions for them. Put them in the comment section. I'm sure after listening to bits and pieces of this, you guys are going to have some social media and event-related questions. Put them in there and uh, We're going to have we'll a lot to take from to put out yeah. over the week. Absolutely. John's going to be busy. Thank you guys uh, again for watching and listening because it's going to have an um, audio version of our shows now. So thank you guys. We'll see you next week, uh, Wednesday at 3. In 3.